this is Cheryl Broderson, and usually I'm in studio with Jasmine Allnut, but Jasmine is in North Carolina, so you've got me, folks, but I have a friend in the studio, and she's a woman worth knowing, and we're still in our medical series, and Kelly Arroyo, who is my friend, is a nurse, and her testimony is so incredible in the way that God's beginning to use her her in this uh, medical field that I asked her to do a two-parter. That's right, a (laughs) two-parter, Women Worth Knowing. So again, this is Women Worth Knowing. And if you have a woman that you think we should know about, or you even say, you know what, I've I've done some things from the Lord, and I'd like you to tell a little bit of my story. Would you write us at women.cccm, then go down to the link for Women Worth Knowing, and we'd love to hear your story. We'd love to even feature you on one of our programs in the future. So let me get to our guest. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much for coming in. I'm really excited about your story. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm honored that you even asked me. I did not even know that I was a woman worth knowing but God. <laughs> yeah. So um, if I would have thought about this uh, many years ago, I couldn't have even pictured it or dreamed. So, Kelly, tell me a little bit about your background, where you mm-hmm. were born, where you grew up. And then I want to talk about kind of like how you became attracted to nursing. Okay, so I was born in Covina, California, and we moved to Huntington Beach when I was five years old. Mm -hmm. My father was a police officer, and my mom was a court reporter. She was the first woman dispatcher for L.A. County Sheriff's Department. That's uh, special. Yes. That's where she met my dad. Um, I'm the youngest of four, and we moved to Huntington Beach, and I went to school at Harborview right there. I remember I was about eight years old, walking home from the store by myself. You could do it back then. And... I remember having like the first conversation, I think, with the Lord, and it was, what do you want to be when you get older? Mm -hmm. And I was a saint. I want to be a saint. (laughs) And I was looking at the thinking of those um, big stained glass windows with the, those were the good people. And I just wanted to be a good person. And then I went on to be a completely rebellious adolescent and into my early 20s. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so much so that I almost lost my life mm-hmm. from my own dumb decisions. I went, I think I had an eighth grade graduation, eighth grade education, mm-hmm. went through graduation through eighth grade. I think I started ditching school at sixth grade. I was smart, but I just was rejected all the time at school. So I didn't want to be there. Wow. And I just didn't think anybody understood me. And so I just started hanging out with the wrong crowd. And then I just got into deep and figured I didn't know how to get myself out of that. I didn't want to tell my parents I was ditching school. They finally found out when the school called, and I went and took all the tests and passed my classes. I ended up graduating eighth grade, but that's about as far as I got in my education. I went to high school. Uh, I hung out at high school, but I never went to class. I ditched all through high school, and I finally got kicked out of high school at 16 years old, and I think I went to continuation and got kicked out of that. And then I thought, well, I better like complete something. So I went into the junior college and took my GED and passed it and got my GED. And then I got into working for a TV station, KMIR-TV, in Palm Desert, California, being a videographer. Um, And then I thought, well, I wanted to go get into mass communications. And I started doing that, and I still was in the height of all of my dysfunction. I had a pretty bad drug problem with cocaine back then, and I just wanted to 
get out. I wanted to escape. I didn't know how to get out. So what I did was what I was used to doing was running. So I ran to a completely different city, got myself a really good job in a, a larger market in NBC. And that was the undoing of it all because now I'm alone. I totally sought out the same type of people. I was thinking that if I just moved from my demographics, I could get better, but I didn't realize that what I was really searching for was Jesus. And I ended up almost dying of a cocaine overdose at the age of 25. You know, this is crazy because of when we get into part two, how God has used you. Mm-hmm. We had Leona Carney on a program and her testimony, like Mm -hmm. all that God has done for her and all that she's done for Jesus is just so fantastic. But you would never know from her beginnings Mm -hmm. because it was, again, kind of Mm -hmm. tumultuous and she wasn't expected to -hmm. make anything of her life. And that's the same thing. So, okay, we're at 25. What happens Mm -hmm. next? Well, I remember laying on the floor. I was by myself and I was alone. And I remember I thought I was going to die. And I was raised in an Episcopal church. I had the seeds planted. Mm -hmm. I remember reading my Bible, Mm -hmm. uh, my children's Bible my mom and dad gave me at seven. I remember uh, I believed in God. I believed Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I believed He died and rose again. I looked at God as legalistic God. I looked at authority as, as a punishing, you know, a punishing thing. And so I thought because I was a bad person, God didn't love me. Mm. And so I just was completely self-destructive because I was really looking for love. I was really looking for someone to love me. And I remember laying on the floor and I remember saying, all I ever wanted, this, I did this to myself, all I ever wanted was for somebody to love me as much as I love them. Mm. And I hope my parents don't find me dead on an, mm. on an apartment room floor. Mm. I just felt really bad for them because that would be a parent's worst nightmare. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. my heart rate slowed, my breathing slowed, and I felt this warmth come over me. And I knew... I thought it was an angel, or I thought it was maybe a past loved one, or something mystical, but I knew it was divine, and it was comforting me. And it took me probably about a year and a half after that before I was saved, or, well, I would say a couple years before I was saved, but I was on a trajectory going towards being saved. So I, I really lived the verse... I died for you while you were still my enemy, while you were mm-hmm. still in sin. Mm-hmm. And I really understand that because while I still was rebellious, I was saved. I just mm-hmm. didn't know it. Now, how did you get into the nursing from this point? Well, it was a little time after I was saved, and my dad had throat cancer. Mm-hmm. And he was taken to the hospital because the tumor ruptured one of the carotid arteries, so he was bleeding. Mm. And so we took him to the emergency room, and then he was transferred up to the ICU. And we talked to him, and he was, you know, mentally all there and everything, but they uh, had to put the trach back in, mm. and they warned us that it was probably going to be rupture the other side. Mm. But we went home, and then as soon as we got home, we got the call that he had passed away wow. when they were trying to put the trach back in. Wow. So when we went back to the hospital, it was the nurse who did this amazing, loving fantastic job with our family. And he helped me find the proper funeral home to call. My dad was washed so clean, he smelled like soap. Mm. And he just presented him really well. And he called a priest Mm. and just was extremely loving. So I remember after we went home, 
I remember saying to myself, you know, if I could do that for one person, I will feel like I did something worthwhile in my life. Wow. And a voice inside said, go to nursing school. And I laughed. I'm like, <laughs> right. Okay. Not even on my radar. Mm-hmm. And I went to bed. And I woke up the next morning and the voice was so loud, but it was internal. And it said, go to nursing school. And I knew it was the Lord. Mm-hmm. I knew it was the Lord. And my husband, who was traveling back and forth from Russia and Germany a lot because of his work, I ended up doing like one class a semester for several years before I got into the program. But I was, I knew the Lord sent me to nursing school and I just was being obedient and I went to nursing school. So I know your sister Joni, mm-hmm. shout out to Joni. She's mm-hmm. awesome. Hi, Joni. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she also is a nurse. Was she a nurse before you or after you? After me. After mm-hmm. you. And she's older too. Yes. So that's something else. Okay. So you start taking these classes. How long before you graduated? About four years because I at first went through an ADN program at the local college, Golden West College, awesome nursing school. So I took all my prerequisites, my GEs and science prerequisites, like one class at a time. And then when I got into the nursing program, the actual program, it was two years long. And so I had a child by then, and I was pregnant with my second child when I went through the nursing program. And then after that is when I got my bachelor's degree. That is, well, this is like so great because I think of, you know, those people, because you were in your 30s by now. When I graduated, I believe I was 32. 32. 31 or 32, yeah. Which is so helpful for Mm -hmm. people to know because there's so many people that get to that age, like Mm -hmm. 25, I haven't done anything, I haven't Mm -hmm. finished school, I haven't gone to school, so I'm never going to go to school. And they don't know um, Mm -hmm. how many possibilities there are. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... You hadn't been in college before that, no, though. My, I had an eighth, grade, GEDs, I had an eighth yes. grade education. I think the audible that the Lord gave me was the encouragement I needed to know that I could do it mm-hmm. because I had such negative thought processes in my head. The devil been pounding me for years with, um, you're no good, you'll never be good, you'll never be good enough kind of things. It was funny because everybody would be, oh, so is this your second career? And I'm like, nope, God sent me. Mm -hmm. I'm here. The Lord sent me. And they looked at me like I was insane. But a lot of them came to the Lord by the time my little group of friends were all believers by the time we were done (laughs) because of my testimony. And I sat in the front row. I became Mm -hmm. the best student. I studied and studied. I think I had a B, A, B average, and Mm -hmm. I passed it. And then once I got into my job, I went on and got my bachelor's. And mm-hmm. did you find yourself interested in what you were learning? Oh, the in nursing school? Right. I devoured books. Did I devoured you? books. Yes. And I anatomy physiology was my sweet spot. I, I when we um, we had a big huge cat named Gomer mm-hmm. that was our cadaver cat. And I remember <laughs> looking at that cat when we were dissecting it, thinking, this is it, there's a designer. I mean, who can design something like that? Just the intricacies of the tendons and the ligaments and the muscle and the bone and just dissecting it in in microbiology, just looking at the things growing in a Petri dish and how things grow. It just really made me realize that God is so in tune with every little thing Mm -hmm. that there is. And then I started getting like the fear of God, like Mm -hmm. he knows everything I did, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I was... um, I was really amazed by just the intricacy of everything and the fact that the Lord was giving me an opportunity to care for people mm-hmm. who were in need of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual 
help. And I think that I was somebody that was desperate need of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual help. And he delivered me. Mm-hmm. And now he was going to use me. I didn't know at that time how, but I was just so grateful that I could help other people. And I could share with other people that you do not have to live like that. You don't have to you know, believe what people are telling you. There's so much more to you. And God is a great big God. And he also is an intimate, personal God. And he loves you and he sees you. And I got to share those things with people in their most intimate times. I mean, a person who's sick or dying, that's like life. Mm-hmm. I got to see like the the human process and be a part of that. And I, I think still to this day that that was one of the greatest privileges to be able to be with somebody and help them. So what the Lord did was he heard my request after that nurse helped mm-hmm. my family and he gave it to me abundantly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just You know what I find what fascinating too, mm-hmm. you know, not only the past because mm-hmm. That would seem to discredit you, you know, right. from from nursing, mm-hmm. or and not you know, especially the the education, especially the you know the drugs, mm-hmm. the the late start, mm-hmm. already married, all of these things that would, um, kind of, yes, pregnant, but kind of mm-hmm. be hindrances to mm-hmm. somebody uh, who's even thinking about nursing. But I find it fascinating that you had never even considered nursing no. until you met this uh, this let's call them angelic nurse Mm -hmm. who guided you through this hard, hard time. And then you realized that this vocation that you had never even considered was Mm -hmm. your sweet spot, was something that you absolutely loved and were so in tune with and Mm -hmm. interested in. And I find it fascinating too, because you were drawn to nursing, not only because of the the physical, you know, and the anatomy and all the the genius mm-hmm. of the the human body and how we're created, but also because of the social aspects. Mm-hmm. I can be there when somebody's hurting mm-hmm. and help them. You know, some somebody going from your past experience, you said you went through a lot of rejection. A lot of people who have uh, been through rejection want to reject others, right? And they don't want to be close mm-hmm. to people. And instead, it had the opposite. I don't want anyone mm-hmm. to feel that rejection. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got rejection in my past <laughs> mm-hmm. written all over. And that's my same thought. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to ever feel this pain. Right. And that's something that God was working in your heart. Yeah, I, I remember back, I think back to when I was three years old, and I remember my dad was taking me to preschool. And he had his uniform on, and I remember it was a chain link fence, and he was talking over the chain link fence to like the the teacher or the, or the school um, principal, and I was screaming, crying, holding onto his leg. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to mm-hmm. go. And he was kind of chuckling and patting me on top of the head, and understanding, you know, I was scared. And then um, I remember hearing a child crying to the left of me. And I looked over, and there was a kid in the sandbox crying, and I went, see you, Dad. And I just (laughs) ran over to the kid and started comforting him. So I think that that's how the Lord shaped me. Mm -hmm. I do not – I don't look back with regret on anything. The only regret I really have is that I didn't come to the Lord earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, But all the things that the devil tried to destroy and my own lust of the flesh and my own pride of life and my own um, lust of the eyes tried to destroy, um, the Lord redeemed. 
Mm-hmm. And he, he rescued me and he redeemed, reconstructed it, and now is using it for his glory. And that is a privilege in itself and an honor that the Lord would look at me, little old me, who was the most rebellious, you know, doesn't deserve it. I don't deserve any of that, but it's his grace, his love and his grace. It's nothing I did. His love and his grace reached down, picked me up out of the pit that I threw myself into, dusted me off and gave me a future and a hope. Now, I want to um, talk a little bit. Let's give a shout out to Chris. Hi, Chris. He's in Mexico right now. Yeah. Wow. With Frank Garcia doing oh. uh, some missionary work there. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. But I want to I want to give a shout out to him because mm-hmm. he was supportive of you in this. I yeah. mean, a lot of husbands would not, especially mm-hmm. if you've just had their their son and you're going to mm-hmm. have their second son. Yeah. They'd want you, you know, to stay home. So that's that was mm-hmm. big for him to support you in this. Yeah, I think the Lord gave me Chris because he loves me unconditionally. He gave me a man who is quiet. Mm-hmm. I'm not quiet. He's quiet. <laughs> He's um, very wise. He is discerning, um, and he loves me unconditionally, and he really was my best friend. Mm. So my best friend. He knew everything. I told him everything, and I told him, I just want to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, that's what I want to do. And I said, so let's do it together. Mm -hmm. And we ended up getting married, and we've been married 32 years now, and both following the Lord and, you know, doing whatever it is that he has commissioned us to do. Okay, so— when you graduated, how did you get placed, um, and where did you get placed? Well, when I graduated from Golden West College, I had already been doing um, rotations at the hospitals, the local hospitals. So I went and worked on a surgical floor um, at Hogue Hospital. Mm-hmm. I was there almost a year, but my heart was for the emergency room. Mm. And you really don't go into an emergency room as a new grad. It's not wise, and it's... Um, it's usually don't usually they will not hire you mm-hmm. unless you've already been there as a tech or something. So um, I ended up um, looking through the magazine that they had for nursing, and that was an advertisement for an internship, an emergency room nurse at St. Mary Medical Center in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. And so I applied for it, and I got hired, and I did a trauma internship because it's a trauma center. It's like 120 hour trauma internship. And so I've been working there for 22 years. I'm in the recovery room now, but I worked in that ER for about 15 years. Okay. So you say you went and you finished your bachelor's. Where was that at? Uh, Fullerton, Cal State Fullerton. Mm -hmm. And I did that while I was working. So my Mm -hmm. husband was traveling. I had two children and I was getting my bachelor's and working full time at the same time. That is absolutely amazing. But mm-hmm. obviously, God gave you the strength mm-hmm. and the stamina and the retention mm-hmm. to be able to do that. The retention is amazing mm-hmm. because you would think that I wouldn't have any brain cells left. Yes. But <laughs> the Lord restored that too. So I'm grateful for that. That's really amazing. Mm-hmm. So tell me about like your first trauma and mm-hmm. how you dealt with it. At, uh, I'm really glad you asked that. Because the first trauma that came in, I remember I was still in the internship and I was wearing white. Mm-hmm. I would never do that again. It was a young man. He was on his last shift. He worked for a armored car right. agency. And he had just gotten a job at the uh, Highway Patrol. Dream job. Had a two-year-old kid and his wife was pregnant. Oh. And so they already had his party. But his friend said, 
can you take my shift for mm-hmm. me? And he said, yeah, I'll take the shift. It's overtime. I've got a baby on the way. So he already had gotten the other job, accepted the other job. He takes this guy's shift, and they're downtown Long Beach, and they're picking up the money from the bank, and an armed robber came and shot him point blank seven mm-hmm. times. So they brought him in, to, and just so happened, right around the corner was the fire department, and they scooped him up and brought him in. So I remember... I was in on that trauma and I just, we were just, you know, doing what we were supposed to be doing. Everybody had a job to do. And then we brought him up to the OR. And I remember after we got him to the OR, I had his shirt and I looked at the front of my scrubs and they had blood down it. And then I looked at his shirt and his shirt had three little pins in the top pocket with his little nameplate. And I just started crying. And I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And the Lord quickened my heart and gave me the thought, you didn't cause it. You're not going to fix it. Do your part and let me work through you. And after that, I've always remembered that. And I've always remembered that that the Lord is the one that is doing it. So I just need to do my part. I need to be educated. I need to be you know, aware of what's going on. I have to have all my certificates and everything, all those education classes, and um, be awake and not tired and just do my part. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So what happened with the young man? He lived. He lived. Mm-hmm. He lived. He was in rehab. We had a rehab there at the time. He was in rehab for probably about seven months, but he lived. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was a great hospital too. Great yeah, trauma center. <laughs> that's one of the exciting mm-hmm. stories. I mean, I'm sure there are mm-hmm. tragic stories. Have you? How have you been able to minister to like a family? Let, let's mm-hmm. say in one of the tragic stories. A lot of times, it's being the hands and feet of Jesus. And the Lord gave me early on Isaiah one seventeen, and it is turn away from evil, seek justice, do good, plead the case of the widow feed the poor, help the orphan, you know, the unmarginalized people, the people that are second looked at, you mm-hmm. know, and that is our, that is our clientele down there. We're mm-hmm. in the middle of the inner city and that is our clientele. So mm-hmm. the Lord put me in the right spot to train me up. And I remember this, this young girl died. She was four years old mm-hmm. and her mom had brought her all the way from the East coast to Long Beach for a faith healing conference. Oh. She had leukemia and she mm-hmm. was brought in in full arrest and we were working on her. And I remember I just grabbed the mom and put my arms around her and started praying in her ear. Mm. And the child died. She just clung to me. She just clung to me. And all I could do was love her. Mm-hmm. Just love on her and pray with her. I had no idea what denomination she was, if she was a Christian or she wasn't. I was just praying. And we wrapped her little baby up made her comfortable in the back so she could hold her little baby. She held her little baby for I don't know how long until we had to come and get the baby, Mm -hmm. probably hours, and Mm -hmm. she didn't want to leave. And so we had to talk to her, and I got to talk to her, and I've never taken any classes or anything Mm -hmm. in uh, that type of social work or case management, but I just approached her as a human being, a mother to a mom, and I couldn't understand at all what she was going through, but it was a ministry of presence, Mm -hmm. most of all. And so I just stayed by her and held her hand, stroked her hair, mm-hmm. prayed with her, and then asked her to tell me about her child. Mm. And that that perked her up. And mm-hmm. and then somebody else came in and said, um, "Can can we you know take care of your child now?" And took a lock of her hair, mm-hmm. you know, things of those mm-hmm. things. Just what do you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you just do what you can. Just love on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, being in something 
you know, most people would rather be in something, you know, if they're doing nursing, I know a lot of people like obstetrics, you know, mm. because you get to see yeah. the baby and mm-hmm. that's kind of a happy nursing. Yeah. But what you've That's what my sister does. Yeah. But you've chosen the, the trauma. Yeah. And um, to me, that's astounding. Have you ever wanted to quit? No. 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 The only things that made me want to leave and mm-hmm. go to a different place would be frustration over just resources or, or fatigue or, you know, work in a secular place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people sometimes make fun of you because you're Christian and you want to pray with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but if their patient is out of control, you're the first person they go to, to, could you pray with this, <laughs> this patient? <laughs> But things like that, but no, I've never wanted to leave. It's a ministry. It's a vocation. Like you said, it's not a job. Mm -hmm. I never, ever asked what the pay would be. Mm -hmm. I just, when I, and I've been working there ever since, but I, yeah, I never asked what the pay would be. I just wanted to know what the work would be. What Mm -hmm. would you like me to do? And am I able to do it? How long after you went through nursing did Joni decide to be a nurse? How long afterwards? 10 years. 10 years. Mm-hmm. So were you at all her inspiration? Did she ask you about that? I know that I had conversations with her. Joni, early on, she was an EMT, and mm. she was on an ambulance, and so she was a phlebotomist as well. And I remember that she was going back to get her EMT, and I go, why do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Just go to nursing. You're super smart. Go do it. And if she took that advice, and that was part of it, then... Yeah, I can say I was an inspiration, <laughs> but I think that she was heading that way. Mm-hmm. But Joni, yeah, she did the work. She had to go back to school as um, an adult learner, mm-hmm. and you know she's an inspiration as well about going back to school. My mom went uh, at 55 years old, went to law school. She was a wow. court reporter for 30 years and then mm-hmm. went to law school at 55. So, um, you know, I love that because I think that gives our listeners so much hope mm-hmm. that it's never too late. Yeah. It's no. never too late. And then I love the fact that you talked about um, nursing being a vacation because mm-hmm. when we're talking about these things, it doesn't matter what field you're in. Right. If you see it as a ministry, mm-hmm. I mean, we tend to think of ministry and we narrow it to just like, are you preaching the gospel? Are mm-hmm. you teaching others the Bible? Mm-hmm. But ministry is whatever God has called us to do and whatever talents he's mm-hmm. put in, inside of us mm-hmm. to do. Yes. And, you know, I mean, we're at K-Wave right now and I think of, you know, Omar doing, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah. the recording and the mm-hmm. timing and I think that's a call. Oh yes. That's an absolute mm-hmm. call. And I'm so thankful for people who are in their call. Mm-hmm. But I'm really excited, you know, right now with the COVID and everything we've uh, been through, I'm so excited for nurses and doctors. Yeah. Now we're gonna have to end this part one. But in part two I want to talk about, you know, part of how the Lord has called you into kind of a more active role of evangelistic outreach, Mm -hmm. especially during this COVID season, and how you got called into that and what perked your interest in all of that. Mm -hmm. So when we come back, I want to talk about that. So this is part one with Kelly Arroyo. She's definitely a woman worth knowing. And Thank you, Cheryl. I've loved this time. Kelly is such an inspiration to those of us who know her, and we wanted you to hear her story so you could be inspired. This is part of the medical series that Jasmine and I have been doing, just highlighting doctors and nurses that God has used and who have seen 
their vocation as a ministry and dedicate it to the Lord and just how God's used them. So again, this is Women Worth Knowing. This is Cheryl Broderston in studio for Jasmine saying Mm -hmm. thanks for joining us this week and we can't wait to get back to you next week. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett.